Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Today's scripture reading comes from the Old Testament, and um, I want you to think about your connection and the connection that they make with nature. The first reading is from Psalm 65, verses 12 to 13. Joy. The pastures of the desert shout for joy. The hills gird themselves with rejoicing. The pastures clothe themselves with flocks, and the valleys cover themselves with grain. They shout for joy, indeed they sing. The second reading comes from Isaiah 24, verses 4 to 5. Sorrow. The earth is mourning, pining away. The pick of earth's people are withering away. The earth is defiled by the feet of its inhabitants. For they have transgressed the laws, violated the decree, broken the everlasting covenant. Here ends the reading. I have wonderful memories of watching my daughters star in their school plays. The imagination, whoever wrote those plays, was pretty phenomenal because there was such a wide range of characters. Some of the actors were people, others of the children were trees, others were animals. And the amazing thing is when you watch these plays, the trees could talk, the animals could talk, they could express emotions, they could interact with each other. But again, it's a child's school play. So you understood. It was childish. The amazing thing is that there's a part of that enjoyment that still resides in my brain. Because I do enjoy watching when animals are made to seem like they are human beings. They are given personalities. They can talk. They can express their their different emotions. But rather than describing that, take a look at this clip and watch the animals as they act often just like you and I do. Alan! 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 Al! Alan! She's all neck and legs. Look at her. Oh, I am looking at her. Stop looking at her! You, you just told me to look at her! Ow! 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 That's right, I throat, that! John, I don't think we're allowed to wee here. It's fine, just keep a lookout. What was that? That was me zip. Whoa! Where did all these come from? You know me, lads, I can't wee with an audience. Alan! 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 Bear grills? Bear grills? What kind of a name's that? Are you an animal or a bit of an oven? I bet you went to private school, didn't you? With your mates Badger Hobbs and Gas Stove Squirrel. At the Copa, Copacabana, music and fashion is always the passion at the Copa. Hey, are you filming me in the bath? Get out. How am I? I'm naked. You better not put it on YouTube. Oh, so that's not Alan. Steve, not Steve. Steve, 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 Steve.
thief, thief. So while that video can be fun to watch, we understand that again, that's kind of that child part of us that's alive. But when we go back in time and we look at the ancients, for them, it wasn't a childhood thing. For them, it was reality. If you would, imagine that there is this large stage, and on that stage, you have humanity, you have human beings, you have God, and then you have animals and birds and the sea creatures, and then you have the vegetation. All of them are actors. And the animals and the vegetation, they're not backdrop like this tree is right here. Instead, they are true actors, and they can express themselves. They can speak. The first example we have of this is in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, we meet a serpent, and the serpent has the ability to speak, to reason. From there, you go to Genesis chapter 4, and we find the first murder. Cain kills Abel. And God, on stage, confronts Cain and speaks these words. What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground. The ground which has opened up its mouth to take your brother's blood from your hand. You hear that? The ground itself is pictured as a human being. And the, the ground itself opens up its mouth and reaches up and takes the blood out of Cain's hands and takes it within itself. And because of this unjust deed, the ground responds accordingly. Listen to what it says. When you till the ground, the ground will no longer yield to you its strength. It's almost as if the ground is punishing Cain for what he has done. And so you begin to realize very early on when you read the Bible that the ancient Hebrews saw a connection between humanity and all of creation, even inanimate objects. But it doesn't stop there. One of the favorite verses I found this week, it comes from Leviticus. It's a text that I've read, but I really didn't pay attention to until this one article that I was reading emphasized it. And at first when you read it, it realizes it's like, well, what is this about? But then when you pay attention, closer attention, you find this connection that exists. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9, it says the following. When you reap the harvest of the land, do not cut to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. So if you would picture this is my land. The law says that when you reap, you could go in this area, but up here, here, and these corners, you couldn't touch. Now, keep that in mind when I read for you verse 27. Do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. 
you actually get this phenomena that the way that you are to reap that land is the exact same way that you are to cut your hair. One writer says the following, Leviticus 19 reminds me of a childhood delight in coming to school in identical outfit as your best friend. So the connection between the land and the human being is like this. And again, picture in your mind this stage and all of these actors on the stage. And the ground itself is one of those actors. And the ground's best friend is a human being. So we begin to realize that this connection is something that we're going to find throughout the Old Testament. So we find it not only in the Torah, the law portion of the Old Testament, but we also find it in wisdom literature. And in wisdom literature, often what will take place is the land will respond when something positive happens on the stage. When human beings do something, when God acts in a way that is in favor of human beings, nature itself becomes vocal. Listen to what it says in Psalm 25, verses 12 and 13. The pastures of the desert shout for joy. The hills gird themselves with rejoicing. The pastures clothe themselves with flocks, and the valleys cover themselves with grain. They shout for joy. Indeed, they sing. In Isaiah 55, it talks about that the trees will clap their hands and they will sing for joy. It's almost on this stage that there is this interrelationship between God, humanity, and all of creation. And what happens to one impacts all of them. But when something negative happens, when human beings act in a way that is unjust or they act in a way that is harmful to other people or even harmful to the environment, the characters of the land and the animals respond in kind. In Isaiah chapter 24, it says the following. After something had happened, it says, The earth is mourning. It is pining away. The pick of earth's people are withering away. So what happens to the land is happening to the elite of the people. The earth is defiled by the feet of its inhabitants, for they have transgressed the laws, violated the decree, broken the everlasting covenant. You see the connections? On this stage of ours, we find these three groups, God, humanity, and all of creation, continually responding and acting and intertwined together. But that was in the past. We've become far more sophisticated. I mean, we have science now, right? So all of these childish ways like school plays, uh, we can forget about them. And instead, we can see ourselves in a more elite status. We use our reason. We're more mature, we would say. One writer in describing how humanity today looks at nature versus how the ancients looked at it says the following. The fundamental difference between the attitudes of modern 
an ancient man as regards the suffering of the surrounding world is this. For modern scientific man, the phenomenal world is primarily an it. So we today see nature as an it, an object. But for the ancients, and also for primitive man, it is a thou. It's a you. Do you see the shift that took place? Today, we see our environment, animate and inanimate objects, as that, just objects. And I would even dare say that we look at them as a resource that we can use. We can use them to our advantage, to further, to further our goals and our objectives. And instead of being on the same play, all of these objects now become just backdrop that we can pull on and use and abuse when we see fit. Over the last three and a half years, if you pay attention carefully, because the media doesn't put a lot of emphasis on it right now, but look at this slide from the New York Times, which came out in May of 2020. For the last three and a half years, the current administration has deregulated over 100 areas that have a dramatic impact upon the environment. A hundred. This next slide you're going to see actually breaks those down and you can see that where they have actually achieved and where they are continuing to try to achieve to deregulate. So the question is why? Why the deregulation? If you look carefully, I think you will find that the deregulation is about saving money. If corporations, if individuals don't have to put as much money into their products or their companies, then that's money in their pocket. So that's one reason to deregulate is you can save money. The other reason is you can make more money. And so again, as modern individuals, we see the world differently. We use it and abuse it to obtain our goals, our objectives. And instead of being in harmony with nature, now we've done this. I wonder what would happen if we would listen to the ancients. Not literally believe that trees can talk and animals can talk, as fun as that is. But what would happen if we could take that worldview and apply it to today? One of the things that the ancients did was they observed and studied and watched nature. And they begin to find its rhythms. And they themselves would become aligned with those rhythms. And there was a sense of harmony. And so instead of seeing the land as something that was external of oneself, they saw themselves as actually belonging. Imagine what would happen if we did that today. You see, I am for deregulation. 
but deregulation that takes place because it's not necessary. I'm for deregulation that takes place because companies and individuals, our earth has created this sense of linking and putting our future and the land's future together. And so we don't need the regulations anymore. We will do that just naturally ourselves. Now, now some of you will say, Tony, that's pie in the sky, that's dreaming. The reality is, if we're not dreaming, we're never going to get anywhere. We have to have hope. We have to dream. We have to look ahead. Individuals who tend to be more open to what's happening in the environment are encouraging us to consider the climate, considering what's happening to the land around us. And so we're asked to do certain things, recycle, lessen our use of fossil fuels, electricity, etc. But I wonder if we've missed something, and that is carefully examining the motive for why we're doing this to begin with. I mean, one motive is a sense of fear. That's the one I hear a lot. There's this sense of saying, we have to do this because if we don't, all these terrible things will happen. But let's just flip that upside down. And instead of seeing this as something outside of ourselves, let's pull back and remind ourselves of the ancients. And maybe realign ourselves with this idea that we are all actors on the stage of life. We are all influencing each other. And for the play to be successful, we need all the actors to be able to play their parts. That's my hope. And throughout the month of July, we're going to be looking at different ways that we can look at the core principles that underlie the environment and climate change. And instead of seeing all the negatives, maybe by the end of the month, we will see the possibilities. Perhaps we will be able to experience life on this planet in ways that we've never been able to enjoy before. Perhaps we'll be more at peace and harmony with that which surrounds us and is a part of us. I offer you these ideas for you to think about and to open yourself to the divine and really stop and reflect upon what it is and where your relationship is with the rest of nature. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.